Chapter 24 of The House on the Borderland. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Alan Winteroud. The House on the Borderland by William Hope Hodgson. Chapter 24 The Footsteps in the Garden. Pepper is dead. Even now, at times, I seem scarcely able to realize that this is so. It is many weeks since I came back from that strange and terrible journey through space and time. Sometimes in my sleep I dream about it, and go through in imagination the whole of that fearsome happening. When I wake, my thoughts dwell upon it. That sun! Those suns! Were they indeed the great central suns, round which the whole universe of the unknown heavens revolves? Who shall say? And the bright globules, floating forever in the light of the green sun, and the sea of sleep on which they float? How unbelievable it all is! If it were not for Pepper, I should, even after the many extraordinary things that I have witnessed, be inclined to imagine that it was but a gigantic dream. Then there is that dreadful dark nebula, with its multitudes of red spheres moving always within the shadow of the dark sun, sweeping along on its stupendous orbit, wrapped eternally in gloom, and the faces that peer out at me. God, do they... And does such a thing really exist? There is still that little heap of gray ash on my study floor. I will not have it touched. At times, when I am calmer, I have wondered what became of the outer planets of the solar system. It has occurred to me that they may have broken loose from the sun's attraction and whirled away into space. This is, of course, only a surmise. There are so many things about which I wonder. Now that I am writing... Let me record that I am certain there is something horrible about to happen. Last night a thing occurred which has filled me with an even greater terror than did the pit fear. I will write it down now, and if anything more happens, endeavor to make a note of it at once. I have a feeling that there is more in this last affair than in all the others. I am shaky and nervous even now as I write. Somehow, I think death is not very far away. Not that I fear death, as death is understood. Yet there is that in the air which bids me fear, an intangible cold horror. I felt it last night. It was thus. Last night I was sitting here in my study writing. The door leading into the garden was half open. At times the metallic rattle of a dog's chain sounded faintly. It belongs to the dog I have bought since Pepper's death. I will not have him in the house, not after Pepper. Still, I have felt it better to have a dog about the place. They are wonderful creatures. I was much engrossed in my work, and the time passed quickly. Suddenly, I heard a soft noise on the path, outside in the garden. Pad, 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 it went, with a stealthy, curious sound. I sat upright with a quick movement, and looked out through the open door. Again the noise came. Pad pad, pad. It appeared to be approaching. With a slight feeling of nervousness, I stared into the gardens, but the night hid everything. Then the dog gave a long howl, and I started. For a minute, perhaps, I peered intently, but could hear nothing. After a little, I picked up the pen, which I had laid down, and recommenced my work. The nervous feeling had gone, for I imagined that the sound I had heard was nothing more than the dog walking round his kennel at the length of his chain. 
A quarter of an hour may have passed. Then all at once the dog howled again, and with such a plaintively sorrowful note that I jumped to my feet, dropping my pen and inking the page on which I was at work. Curse that dog, I muttered, noting what I had done. Then, even as I said the words, there sounded again that queer pad, pad, pad. It was horribly close, almost by the door, I thought. I knew now that it could not be the dog. His chain would not allow him to come so near. The dog's growl came again, and I noted subconsciously the taint of fear in it. Outside on the windowsill, I could see Tip, my sister's pet cat. As I looked, it sprang to its feet, its tail swelling visibly. For an instant it stood thus, seeming to stare fixedly at something in the direction of the door. Then quickly it began to back along the sill, until reaching the wall at the end it could go no further. There it stood, rigid, as though frozen in an attitude of extraordinary terror. Frightened and puzzled, I seized a stick from the corner and went toward the door silently, taking one of the candles with me. I had come to within a few paces of it when, suddenly, a peculiar sense of fear thrilled through me, a fear palpitant and real, whence I knew not nor why. So great was the feeling of terror that I wasted no time, but retreated straightway, walking backward and keeping my gaze fearfully on the door. I would have given much to rush at it, fling it to, and shoot the bolts, for I have had it repaired and strengthened so that now it is far stronger than it ever has been. Like Tip, I continued my almost unconscious progress backwards until the wall brought me up. At that I started nervously and glanced round apprehensively. As I did so, my eyes dwelt momentarily on the rack of firearms, and I took a step toward them but stopped, with a curious feeling that they would be needless. Outside in the gardens, the dog moaned strangely. Suddenly from the cat there came a fierce long screech. I glanced jerkily in its direction. Something luminous and ghostly encircled it and grew upon my vision. It resolved into a glowing hand, transparent and with a lambent greenish flame flickering over it. The cat gave a last awful caterwaul, and I saw it smoke and blaze. My breath came with a gasp, and I leaned against the wall. Over that part of the window there spread a smudge, green and fantastic. It hid the thing from me, though the glare of fire shone through dully. A stench of burning stole into the room. Pad, pad, pad. Something passed down the garden path, and a faint, moldy odor seemed to come in through the open door and mingle with the burnt smell. The dog had been silent for a few moments. Now I heard him yowl sharply as though in pain. Then he was quiet, save for an occasional subdued whimper of fear. A minute went by, then the gate on the west side of the garden slammed distantly. After that, nothing, not even the dog's whine. I must have stood there some minutes, then a fragment of courage stole into my heart, and I made a frightened rush at the door, dashed it to, and bolted it. After that, for a full half-hour, I sat, helpless, staring before me rigidly. Slowly my life came back into me, and I made my way shakily upstairs to bed. That is all. End of chapter 24 Recording by Alan Winteroud BoomCoach.blogspot.com